0: Welcome to April everybody. It is The Daily Show right here on Canadian Football Perspective. Marshall Ferguson at TSN underscore Marsh. Of course Mike Daly at Daily News 8 is where you can find him. At CF Perspective is where you can find us on social media as the National Scouting Combine. In the books. All done. We will have full breakdowns of all of that of course for you on our social. Don't forget to follow along with Connor O'Neill and Wade Sanketa. Uh, They did a great job of being on the broadcast on CFL.ca during the National Combine. I was really happy to be able to get them into the fold. If you missed our Scouting Combine episode last week with Mike Daly, go back and listen to that in CFP podcast feed. I had a lot of fun putting that one together. Uh, But Mike, how how many massive runs of McDonald's do you think that the Combine participants have done now that they are officially in the books for the 2022 CFL draft class?
1: Hoping every single one of them, they deserve it at this point. But I mean, yeah, I hope every single one of them. Are, unless they were just, you know, eating McDonald's like some of my teammates do all season. Mm. Who knows what they're fueled by? But hopefully, everyone.
0: I'm amazed by uh, by the guys that can do that and get away with it. Who Who is the guy that you played with with the Tie Cats who could do it and just get away with it? And you would never be able to
1: tell. What eat, eating like that? Um, well. <laughs> the craziest the craziest thing to see is uh J. Garrett davis oh really because he he is like the the body type you see him as and what you see him do in practice so like you know i he's he's a bigger boy and he put on he told me he put on weight this year he was like, oh, I'm going to see what it's like to play it a little bit heavier. <laughs> just messing like, around. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can't believe he can just do that whenever you decide you want to. And he moves the exact same I've seen him move all season long. Yeah. And he's, he does not have a six-pack abs. He is not shredded beyond belief, but what he is is just so athletic and he's so skilled. But that guy, I'm sure he could do whatever he wanted in the offseason. He's just one of those players that he'll come back in He'll be as fast as can be. He'll still make linemen look like they're not even playing football. And he'll get, you know, 10 plus sacks a season. It's incredible. It's incredible that he was just like, eh, put on some weight this year and I'll go get a bunch of sacks and a couple knockdowns on a running back on a wheel. Like, I look at it, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, I got to watch if I eat a couple chocolate bars. And this guy's just like, yeah, I'll play at whatever weight I want.
0: That's Yeah, that is amazing, and I could totally see him getting away with that stuff. He To me, he has always been the definition of the dancing bear. Like, when you talk about the guys that have that, like, bear-like body that play defensive line, that could probably be, I don't know, like a bit of a, I don't even want to say a light three-tech, but, like, if he wanted, he could have probably kicked inside and been pretty effective. But when he's playing off the edge, he's so quick for his size. Like, there were times where I was calling Ticats games on radio where I would just zero in on him, especially his first year in Hamilton. And Mm -hmm. it it was amazing that he doesn't have, you know how some guys that are pass rushers have that burst off the edge where they just like snap comes up, bang, and they just beat you around the corner. To me, he's always been the one who kind of like comes off the line and like dances for a second. And then he's like, and all of a sudden he's just like in the backfield. And whether it's spin, move, rip, twist, like knocking hands down, push, pull, like he just does everything, but he does it at this super chill. Like, I'm just going to come off the ball and now I'm past you.
1: Yeah. You know what it kind of reminds me of is it's like watching James Harden play basketball. Yeah. Like he just, he kind of comes off there. He's just chilling, chilling, and then whatever he wants to do, i will just make you look dumb and make you completely miss him. And you should have seen him trying to game plan, watching O-line try to game plan for him. And it would just free up so much, right? Like he would, he'd let him be singled one game. He'd get tons of sacks. And then the next game they would slide the whole line and get a chip on him. And then we would just be like, all right, we're coming off the other edge and get sacks over there. And it was it was incredible because you you had to have two guys on him every single time. It yeah. was insane.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A uh, reminder that the Canadian Football Perspective podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Fox 40. You can start your season off right with products from them. Uh, get, outfit your coaching staff with custom logoed Fox 40 whistles, gear, coaching boards, and more. Visit fox40shop.com. Use the promo code. CFP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. I apologize to anybody who's listening with headphones in. That got very intimate very quickly. Just want to make sure you know the promo code CFP15.
1: Paul Center now. <laughs> uh,
0: this week on the show, we are talking about big name quarterbacks. Mike has played with some, he's played against a bunch. Uh, I've always been intrigued by this. And in all honesty, a lot of the time when I am talking big name quarterbacks, I'm either talking with current quarterbacks. I'm talking with those big name quarterbacks. I'm talking with former quarterbacks. I love that you are not just a defensive back, but you are a free safety who sees the whole field, has to understand where people are going. And I've talked to you before about certain guys in the league. I won't out them uh, on the podcast, but where you're like, oh yeah, he has terrible vision. And I know exactly where he's going. And I can jump stuff all the time because I watched on film. I studied him. I knew him and I, I just knew what I needed to do. So you have this vision and this ability at free safety, which gives you, again, this is why we call it Canadian football perspective, gives you a unique perspective on quarterbacks. And we're going to use that a lot on this show as we go throughout and talk about different guys through the league. But I want to know specifically, and we'll get to the Manziel game, which is the you know the juicy thing in this podcast episode, where we'll talk about your, your night that you had in Montreal against him and the Alouettes. But why do you think, Mike that big name quarterbacks, specifically, obviously big name, American guys that come up Josh Freeman's of the world, if you will, that they don't typically stick. And even if they do stick, they have to really adjust. They have to figure this out. It's kind of one of those age old things where people go Taylor Cornelius, Oklahoma state, big arm. He played in the XFL. He was, he was with Jamel Elizondo and then he comes up and I'm like, eh. Like I don't, I don't see it personally, and then I do the breakdown of the stats in his first year, and I'm like, yeah, that's. I don't know if there's a development pattern there. Maybe he'll stick around. Maybe he'll try. You know, Paxton Lynch comes in with the Riders, doesn't get vaccinated, doesn't take a snap, bails and goes to the USFL after he came up, and he was like, I want to use this as a way to get to the NFL. It's like you're not going to do that here, man. Cody Fajardo was going to play for the Riders, so why do they struggle? Why, in your opinion, is this such a hurdle for them to overcome?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing that you see is it's almost like when you draft a guy first round, first overall, right? Or even first round. It's this expectation that, okay, this is a big name guy. We got to bring him in and he's got to play. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? You get these names, like, like you were saying, like a Paxton Lynch, like a Josh Freeman, like a a, uh, a Johnny Manziel. You know what I mean? You get these guys that come in and, and there's obviously buzz around them for how well they played in college or even if they were in the NFL, right? Like Duck Hodges, same thing. Yeah. And then you, you try to force these guys into playing because your fans want it, right? Because you're excited that you finally nailed one of your negotiation list quarterbacks, right? Where you just slot any quarterback you can find on that list and try to get them out here. And then now it's this pressure dig sick, okay, go play this new style of football that you have never played before. And that's the biggest thing. Like these guys come up here and... I, I don't care who you are. It's football. Yes, absolutely. All a little bit different. There's an extra guy on the field. The field is bigger. The timing's a little bit different because of the waggle, right? Like these guys are used to saying, you know, a guy like Johnny Manziel playing since he's probably two years old. He knows the timing of a dig route, mm-hmm. right? 12 to 15 yard dig route. He knows the timing of it. Now you get up here and there's a waggle. That guy's on that dig route, half a second to a full second earlier right so now your processing time it has to be a little bit quicker the extra guy so i think the biggest thing is that you know they're not really given a fair shot to develop like some of these other guys that you see stick around play the backup role for a while or get put in and have you know one or two eh, seasons and then that's when you really start to take off right that's i think that's the biggest adjustment is these guys are just forced into a brand new game yeah. right? Like playing, like you're an NHL player trying to learn how to play ringette. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the same skills, right? A lot of the same skills, but there's a couple nuances where, you know, if you're not very smart, it's it's not going to help.
0: Yeah. And even if you are smart, I find it interesting that you mentioned the waggle being the difference for the quarterbacks, because I think a lot of the time we focus on the mechanics of the huddle or reading the extra man on the field, but like you're saying for somebody like Manziel, who from the age of whatever is getting drilled on pro day throws and pro day throws, like if you're not familiar with this stuff is you'll have an NFL coach that works on a script with a quarterback or an offensive coordinator from a university who will work on a script and he'll say, uh, you know, left hash, seven step drop field. Number two, 15 yard dig route. And it's like, okay, that equation means ready to go ball comes up one, two, three, four, five, hit my back step, zero hitches, bang, it comes out. And it's like, okay, so now you've got somebody who might not be as fast necessarily as a guy that's like a, a major D1 slot receiver, maybe isn't as big, who's going to be able to body people over the middle. But like you say, he, when he's there quicker, like Menzel, for example, hits his back foot, one, two, three, four, five. Now he's thrown to a wider part of the field because all of a sudden that slot number two is a little bit wider. And then all of a sudden he's hitching and now he's a little uncomfortable. And as he's hitching and climbing the pocket, the timing's not the same. The rhythm's not the same. He's throwing it over the top. There's an extra guy in the field. Oh, here comes the free safety driving on that 15 yard dig from the slot too, because I've been staring it down and my eyes are on it. It's like all of those things go into it. So I'm with you, man. Whenever I hear people just say, no, there's an extra guy on the field. I'm like, that's one thing, yeah. And yeah. Like it plays into it, definitely. But um, I really, I I do think that it's a it's a confluence of five or six different things. That man, I, I actually might have audio from Johnny in the first night that he was actually in Montreal, starting that game, where he talked about getting humbled uh, by by the football gods. Uh, yeah, here it is. Okay, I don't know why I have this in my iTunes library, but I do. Football gods. <laughs> Yeah, football gods humbling me uh, and then he said he would have liked more time before his first start um,
2: would it have been See, nice and that... to be here for two or three weeks and then get your first start, sure
0: I apologize for the bad audio, they held their press conference for Johnny Manziel outdoors in Montreal that night today so. went the way it
2: went I got the start it, went just about as <laughs> bad as it could possibly go and only up from here sorry, it was a bad audio here today went the way it went, I got to start it it went just about as bad as it could possibly go and, and, and only up from here sorry, I think we got beat so bad. Um, things went so bad, um, so quick. We need to all be able to learn how to play with together, play in sync, play in rhythm. Um, and when you get that way, it becomes fun. Hamilton was having fun the other night. They were running up and down the field. They were having a blast. They're in sync. They've, they've been together for a while. So we're going to get there. We're going we're gonna to be smiling, and we're going to be having some fun. You just got to go through some stuff to get there. I'm past it. You know, for the first 24 hours, it's a tough pill to swallow, and then from there, it's what can you do about it? We see we don't see Hamilton again until the last week of the season. Hamilton is is over. It's done. It's not ideal. It's not how we wanted to start, especially um, you know my, my first game here. But nonetheless, you flush it, you take it on the chin like a man. You come back to work the next day with a smile on your face, and, and you watch the film and you grow from it and move forward.
0: So he said a lot of the right things there, right? uh because he was trying to dance his way through the situation but that was a dude who was thrown into the fire in Montreal to get him on the field at a time where Montreal wanted excitement like they make the trade for him you can't sit him once you start doing that right
1: that's what I mean and you know it's it's one of those things where you, you know you see a lot of the fans kind of hate on Johnny Manziel for coming in here and not doing well but what do you expect from the guy like I said it's a it's a completely new game you can tell he's reeling right there just by his answers you know what I mean yeah. he's He's saying, you know, we're just not on the same page. We just, things aren't, things are moving fast, is essentially what he's saying, right? And the biggest thing is that when you get thrown into the fire like that, you need a couple, you know, couple weeks, a couple months, a season to develop, right? You look at a guy like, like VA, yeah. right? Look at how long Vernon Adams, oh, he's bounced around to a bunch of teams, right? He's been a backup for a while you know, and, and obviously VA and he was on, he was on the cats with me. He's a fantastic teammate. He was always willing to do whatever he, he could to help the team. And on that amount of time that he was bouncing around, which I'm sure he would like it to have been a little bit less and stick somewhere, but he was learning every single year, learning, every single year learning. You know what I mean? You look at a guy like Mazzoli, same thing. He was behind Zach for a while. Right. Got you the trade from Edmonton learning, learning Dane. Right. And these I'm saying people that I'm seeing in person, right? You see them learning and taking their time. And and then when they get put in, they've already done practice for a year. You know what I mean? They've already gone up against the first team defense. They've already seen how the difference of defensive coverages are, right? Like what they don't see in the state is that your field corner is essentially another free safety. That throw to throw a five-yard hook, right, Your, your escape route over there is a long throw. So if you are late to throw that, that's a pick to the house every time, mm-hmm. right? So that's why your timing has to be so precise. But then you see a guy like Johnny, and, I, and again, I I feel bad for guys that like that are like this. And hopefully Cornelius gets another shot because he's another one of these guys. But they get thrown in there, don't do well, and then everyone goes, ah, can't use them. You know what I mean? Can't use them, can't have them, and the confidence is just completely crushed because yeah. he's trying to learn under the lights in a game that counts trying to get a, you know, a team like Montreal and try to get the excitement back.
0: Yeah. And I think the sports psychology aspect on this is, is intriguing to me as somebody who's taken more of an interest in this stuff in the last year or so is that yes, physically trying to figure out the game. Yes. uh, In terms of football IQ, trying to learn it, but when it goes wrong, like I just, I I Googled Johnny Manziel first game. The first thing that comes up is an article from NFL.com. And the headline is Johnny Manziel throws four interceptions in Canadian debut. That's on NFL.com. Like yeah. that, that ran on their homepage. So he goes from getting drafted by Cleveland in the first round, 24th, whatever it was overall messing around in there, not really getting <laughs> a whole lot of support, but also in the building, it sounded like it was a disaster He's posting Instagram posts where he's geotagging places that he's not. He's actually out. He's drinking. He's lost in the sauce. He's whatever this stuff was. Disappears. Shows up after some time in Canada. Tries to make it in Hamilton. Doesn't work out. Gets moved to Montreal. First game. And the first interaction that people in the United States, really, unless you're watching ESPN 2 that night, get with him is going to the NFL's homepage. With a headline that says, throws four interceptions in Canadian debut. And Johnny, when he was up in Canada, I didn't get the sense that he gave a damn about any of the media coverage because he's been through so much and he's been around so many crazy situations as a rock star and a Heisman Trophy winner that I always got the sense, whether it was the introductory press conference that we did. I I did a one-on-one interview with him the first day he showed up when it was you know, every single media outlet in Canada was there and he was wearing a wheels up hat, which was like very obviously gifted by college game day when he would be their guest picker on that show. And so it was just like, he just came from a different world, but he'd been around so much and experienced so much in life. I never got the sense he gave a damn what we thought. But I also believe there's a human inside that body. And at some point that human had to have recognized the way that he was being talked about. And like you're saying, he was swimming and he was trying but he also just didn't get up to speed quick enough. And that's a terrible spot mentally to be in, to know I'm out here, I'm trying, giving it, <laughs> I'm giving it a go every time I put the pads on, but I don't really understand this thing. And I got to make the best of it as soon as possible before he pulls the ripcord and all of a sudden disappears from the league because he mentioned in that one clip, we don't play Hamilton again until the end of the season. Well, he played the first quarter in that game, didn't do much of anything. And then Montreal went on to win, but it was Pipkin and Schultz and whatever. And, and that was the last quarter of football he ever, I mean, it's kind of poetic, right? Comes into Hamilton. has all these interceptions against Hamilton in his first game. And his last game is against Hamilton who wanted him so bad for so long. And his whole story in the CFL is woven throughout the tie cats, even though he was playing for the Alouettes.
1: Yeah. And you know what, we're talking about Johnny a lot because it's the big name, but what you got to see is that that happens to, everybody that comes up here. I mean, you look at a guy, you know, that we had this past year and this is every single new American that comes up here, or even Canadian that played American ball. Like you come up here and it's, it's a new game. And like the very first day of training camp, what we show is rouges. And the one play where it was between Montreal and Toronto and the Rogers center, when it's punts back and forth, it's because it's a tie game or, and they're punting back and forth trying to get the Rouge to win. And then, you know, Bradwell's punting it back out to try. And then it's a scramble. And you watch that. And then you look around the room and everybody's like, what is going on? You know what I mean? Like it was my and-
0: favorite part of being in Calgary in 2013 as part of the <laughs> CIS internship program was Mark Killam showed that reel in Calgary. And I I knew what was going on. I watched that game live. I was like, yeah, yeah we're, I, we're
1: I, sitting there going, this makes sense. Yeah, yeah hey, I, good play. Hey, I, good play I, kicking it
0: there. I, I won a high school city championship game in Kingston in my grade 12 year on a Rouge, where it was a punt from like the 35 yard line because we didn't trust our field goal kicker. And we're like, but he's got a freaking rocket of a punt. Let's just rip, rip this thing through the back of the end zone. So we did. We won 18, 17. So I laughed so hard watching exactly what you're talking about. It happens in every locker room across the CFL of guys going, what in the shit is going on? <laughs> yeah.
1: What is yeah, happening? And- and the best thing, too, is, you know, especially as defensive backs, we'll have our, D, uh, like our defensive back coach come in and say, hey, guys, we're pressing today. And they'll be like, okay, just the corners, right? Because that's the guy's not on the wagon. And he's like, no, everybody's pressing. And you just see everybody that's playing half that day is just like, well, what do you mean? How do, I, how do I press this guy? He's running full speed. And it's, it's a real thing. And, you know, there's, a, there's tons of clips of us on special teams going on onside. In punt, in punt formation, going onside and returners, you know, you kind of punt it a little bit shorter and the returners will back away because there's a lot of bodies because that's what you do in the States, right? And then we just run and pick it up and run right by them and score a touchdown. These returners are going. So that's what, you know, wrapping it all up. Now you're asking a guy to play one of the hardest positions in sports as quarterback mm-hmm. with an extra person, with all these nuanced rules, you know what I mean? With all these, not to mention just a whole new playbook too right? Because you're adding another person that that brings in a bunch of different plays. Yes, you're going to have a lot of the same concepts, right? Dig posts, right? Spacing, that kind of stuff. You have all those same concepts, but people are moving differently, right? There's safeties, but now the safeties are really halfbacks. So then how as a quarterback, are you looking at that? You're looking out and saying, okay, well, that's a halfback in Canadian rules, but do I judge him as like a strong safety from what I remember? Or is he down and then there's just the one, but then this is the strong safety over here. How do I do this? You know what I mean? Is he the nickel? And now all of a sudden, boom, go try to win a game. You know what I mean? Right in the middle of the season. And you've had, you know, three weeks of practice reps at this point. And, you know, you see it happen with a bunch of guys. It's just harder as a quarterback position. And that's why, you know, you see these guys that are forced into it. They struggle with it. And it's, it's sad to see because even watching Johnny in training camp, you see what made Manziel Manzel right? Like his arm count oh, was man. fantastic. Holy cow. I know you were covering it at the time, but we used to sit there and watch him throw corner routes to the field or like a rip a seam right in between like a old halfback or whatever. And he would just fire that thing in there. And you'd like, you'd walk away and you'd be like, Oh, like that's a big arm. And he's putting that thing on the right spot. Now if he can just kind of tie it all together and learn, it would be, it'd be awesome. Right. But that's, time all that is, is time and experience
0: do you think he just lacked the patience or that montreal lacked the patience to be able to actually try and develop him because it felt like not necessarily in hamilton but it felt like his cfl journey was you're a heisman trophy winner however many years previous but we should plug and play you because you've got natural skill and you're right man like there was i think the week before he got traded maybe two weeks before he got traded to montreal i was at practice I was sitting in the stands and he threw like a wrap nine, like off a Sam linebacker from the field number three receiver, where he basically just the receiver, like angled a little bit. The Sam was in zone, was expanding towards the flats. And he just like the receiver snapped right off his ear. And as he did, the ball was on him. Like it Mm -hmm. came out as hard as I've ever seen one of those throws that's right off the Sam's ear. And I remember I might've been something with Kyle Mello um, in the stands. I just looked at him. I'm like, dude, I've never seen a ball like that. Like, I've, ne- I've never seen in-person before, and I've been to NFL games, and I've seen Brady play live, Rodgers play live, J.P. Lossman play live. I mean, I've seen the greats, and, uh, <laughs> but I've never seen that live before. And I would even say, like, I've seen some incredible throws from Dane Evans and Masoli from my time covering the Cats. But the singular ability that, like, the Heisman t- – and I'm not even sensationalizing this. I'm being real with you. It, it, was, it was a Heisman moment. Like, I saw it, and I'm like, he's different. Like when he's on, he is absolutely different. I saw that magic in him, but then there was that lack of patience for everybody to say, okay, that's great, but we have to work with him. Like We have to actually try and develop and be like you're saying with Dane sitting behind and Zach sitting behind and it felt like nobody was willing to say, okay, Johnny, it's a three-year plan. Like mm-hmm. let, Let's wait this out and allow you to become great. And Josh Freeman is another great example. We did a a car wash with him during CFL week. I think we were in Winnipeg. It was like 2018, I want to say. And the car wash is essentially where I sit in a room for nine hours and I have a list of 12 questions that I have to ask every player that comes through and we do it on camera. And they turned it into all this kind of social content throughout the year. And man, I will never forget Josh Freeman coming in because at that point he had been signed, but he hadn't taken a snap. He hadn't even been to training camp yet. And the Alouettes, I, I think they sent Enoch maybe stand back if he was there and freeman and, and i remember him walking in and i'm like hi josh great to meet you thank you so much for coming down and giving us some of your time and i shook his hand and he was so hesitant like he was nervous to even interact with us he's like what is this <laughs> and, and i was like this is not the personality of the quarterback that was formerly in the nfl with washington that i expected and the question that really jumped out to me because we were asking everyone this why don't you explain to the camera why they should pick you in CFL fantasy so that when they're doing promos throughout the year, you know, you got this clip of Josh Freeman going, Hey, I'm Josh Freeman from Montreal Alouettes. You should pick me this week in CFL fantasy because I've got your back. I'm going to get you those points. We're going to get into the end zone. We're going to have fun doing it. It's pretty simple, right? It's just a sales pitch. That's this dumb fantasy football thing,
1: right?
0: Josh didn't have a reason. Like he, he sat there for like 90 seconds with his arms crossed and he was like, um what do you want like it's i was like just pitch yourself just tell people why they should pick you and he had such low confidence before even taking a snap in the cfl he didn't even have the ability to verbalize why people should support him or believe in him and he left the room and i looked at kyle scott from the cfl website that was filming all that stuff i'm like dude he's not gonna start for them i'm like that's not that's not a guy who's gonna have the confidence to go through the ups and the downs and the challenges that he's going to have with all of the media attention of what his past brings with it.
1: Well, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, and maybe it was the confidence thing of playing, or maybe it was just, I'm in a new league. It didn't work out for me in the NFL. Now I'm in Canada. I've never been to Canada. I don't know if he has or not, but a lot of like, it's, I've never been to Canada. What am I doing here? And now all of a sudden I'm getting talked about, like, I haven't even taken a snap. What's going on here. You know what I mean? Like I need to figure this out first. And now I'm getting thrusted into the spotlight, right? Like, I mean, I'm I'm telling you, the thing is, is you talk about if teams are willing to be patient with these guys or not, right? And sending Freeman to one of these one of these media yeah. media things is not probably the best idea in the world, right? Let's have them just be here, learn the offense. And I mean, you look at guys now that are doing well, right? Like a Zach. Like uh, you know, Mazzoli, like Dane, right? I mean, like
0: Bo was behind Bo was behind KG, Drew Tate. Uh, like when he came in, he was just like some young kid in 2012, right? Like same thing.
1: And that's the biggest thing is you look all across the board. Get a, get away from just quarterbacks here. You look at all across the board. There's a lot of football players that need. You know, not a lot of guys can get thrusted into the starting spot and run away with it right away. There's certain positions that maybe you could right, like a corner, put him in. Hey cover but the way we're playing here is it's you know half of it's going to be zoned you're going to have to read it's not just one thing anymore right running back yeah maybe a little more plug and play right but you have to give these guys time and experience and you know there's that's why some of these guys can like a Chris Van Zyl that's why he can play for 13 years right is he as athletic as he was when he first came out probably not but what did he makes him so good. And the reason, you know, probably from first year where he was like, God, this guy actually going to be an O-lineman or is he a D-lineman or what's going on to now is he's at experience. And, you know, I'm not breaking like blowing anybody's mind here. I'm just telling you what everybody knows, but it's, it's truly a huge thing. And like we were talking about before, it is the hardest position quarterback on the football field It is the hardest position by far. So if you're not giving these guys experience, you're thrusting them into the spotlight and you're saying, hey, go do this media breakfast when you don't even really know the play calls yet and tell us why we're going to pick you in fantasy football when you're like, wait, I, I guess I am starting? What, what's the, you know, what's our audible and hot? Like, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, you know, you just hope that with these big name guys, like, uh, you know, this year, uh, Cornelius, he gets another decent shot, right? Because he struggled this year and it was hard for him. And, you know, their offense was, Their offense is tough for, you know, even guys to get lined up properly. You could see it on film. Um, And then to have have a first-year quarterback playing a new game and watching guys run wrong routes or into each other or being confused. I mean, it's not all on him. And hopefully they have the patience to at least give guys like that another shot or bring somebody in that's a vet and have them sit and learn for a year or two, right? Have that three-year plan that you look at.
0: Well, there's also the Chris Jones um impact where he's got Khalil Tate, JT Barrett all in house, and it's like, okay, are they about to restart again? Because keep in mind Cornelius, yeah, he's he should be back, he should get an opportunity, but he was an Elizondo guy. And Brock Sunderland brought him in. Well, Brock Sunderland and Elizondo aren't there anymore. So it feels like the next generation of quarterback development has come into Edmonton and now we get to see whether or not Khalil Tate or JT Barrett get to become and again don't forget Nick Arbuckle like whew, holy jeez that's his old, own story but yeah. we get to see whether those two guys highly touted at NCA otherwise whether they become Josh Freeman or whether they become Dane Evans like do right. do they stick around they develop they figure it out they work behind somebody they learn the game or do they get thrown in and get chewed up get criticized and then leave within a year and like honestly that is the fork in the road for these quarterbacks that come up from the States. is like, it's one of two ways. There's not a lot of guys that follow a different formula um, at this point. Right. I mean, that's, that's what and, it's going to be.
1: And it's, it's a lot on the coaches, right. The offensive coaches too. It's okay. What can this guy do? What can we expect from him? Um, I mean, you look at, you look at us last year, right. When we re-signed David Wofford, you know what I mean? Fantastic guy, fantastic quarterback. And he comes in there. So we go, okay, what are we going to do? A completely new offense. Yep. And we go, I'll oh, win three games. And that that's what's going to be interesting to see what Chris Jones does with these, you know, new big name guys. And he's been around long enough. And that whole crew has been around long enough that you hope they've experienced this before, which they have and kind of to see what they're going to do with these guys to first of all, put them in a place, uh, you know, to succeed. And second, to see how these guys will develop as the season goes on, right? Does it start with, you know, very simple reads, rely heavy on the run game, screen game, you know what I mean? Getting the ball out quick, making it easy. And then later on in the year, are we doing a little bit more of the, you know, intricate offense that you're seeing, right? From a guy like Mazzoli or Dane or like Bo, you know what I mean? Are we giving them that freedom or is it, ah, this isn't working? We're going to put them both in trial by fire or we're going to let them fizzle out like some of these other guys, right? Like we were talking about Johnny.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to ask you before we start to wrap up this podcast, uh, that Wednesday night game with, and again, I love Watford too. I love what Tommy Condell did, shifting the offense, manipulating things, doing different quarterback run game, all the rest. That was one of the worst football games I've ever watched. That Wednesday night, Ottawa, because Ottawa was struggling to produce offensively and you guys were totally shifting your system. And then it was pouring rain. On a Wednesday night, on short rest, you guys were on the road. There wasn't a lot of fans there because Ottawa was was struggling. Were you on the sidelines? I'm guessing for that game, you down on the field with the defense and everything. Like,
1: yeah, that one, yeah. How? But it was, it was a mess. (laughs) I don't know how else to tell you. Like. It's tough because you know you get into a game like that where the weather is such a factor, right? Yeah. Now maybe it helped us out because of the way we were running the offense, but now you're looking at not even throwing, you know, simple pass plays, right? Like simple spacing stuff that should be easy because of how the weather is and running a little bit more. And, you know, any game where you see the two offenses struggling like that, it's not really fun to be a part of. Now for me, you know, what I mean it's always like counter argument, well the defenses were playing well, so right why don't you like watching good defense? You know what I mean? But the the cool thing was, was seeing, you know, Watford and that offense kind of say, okay, this is what we're doing. It's new. We're going to just keep doing it. We're going to run. We're going to run down their throat and hand it off, pull it. You know what I mean? Tons of counters. It, it was fun to watch. It was really fun to watch it. when it was starting to work, you could kind of feel that shift and that momentum going. And then, you know, sure enough, you just keep building off that. and Wofford keeps getting these wins and keeps putting up points and the defense is playing lights out. And it was just cool to see that evolution of that game in Ottawa where, and, you know, good thing we were playing Ottawa because they were struggling mightily. But it was cool to see that evolution of growing up to where, you know, Wofford was playing awesome, back to what I remember him in saps. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, totally. And that, by the way, that was an interesting, I mean, it's Wednesday, September 22nd. I just pulled up the box score here. Um, this was likely Matt Nichols last game in the CFL, unless he surprisingly signs somewhere. He, I remember when free agency opened this year and he posted an Instagram video of him at a skate park with his daughters. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a guy who's very concerned about free agency. Uh, but in that game, he was seven of 10 for 68 yards before he got hurt. Dominic Davis came in. He's six of 14 for 50 yards. Then he gets injured. Nate Bahar comes in and closes it out in emergency duty. Uh, But David Wofford in that game was 15 of 25. So he completed 60% of his passes for 115 yards. And 36 of those came on one play. So you've got essentially 14 other passes that were going for a total of 80 yards in that game. And like you say, it was underneath, 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 pick it apart, pick it apart but it was Watford leading the team with 11 carries for 54 yards in that game. Sean Thomas-Arlington, nine carries. Tim White, three carries. Malika Hearns three carries. Poppy White, three carries. It was like, yeah, it was it was a ground assault and just trying to be physical up front and find a way throughout that game. So that's, uh, that's definitely a funny one to look back onto. Before uh, we get out of here, I do have to ask you, just so that I can clip it and put it together with the actual highlight, tell me what you saw on the Manziel interceptions, like, tell me what, what was the read? Cause I'm sure that this is stuck in your mind because this is one of those really cool memories where you get to be 60 years old and tell people that you picked off a Heisman <laughs> trophy winner at his first start.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, and, and frankly, you know, Montreal's Montreal's offense was very simple. Mm-hmm. So throughout the, what we saw on film that week, throw what we saw during the game they were running a lot of just the same routes. Right. And I'll tell you what, once you see it once or twice, you're sitting on it for the rest of the game and it didn't change. So they definitely weren't helping them, but we had, we had sent a plus one blitz. We got one more than they can block balls coming out quick. They were running what, you know, some teams call divide, what other teams will call Oakland from the Mac days, but essentially it's three verticals on the one side. Yeah. And I forget the receiver that was in inside at number three, but he was running the same all day and same thing ran the same all day. And I saw, I think it was, it was either Simone or, or Don, somebody came off the edge for, I think it was Simone and ended up, he was clean into the backfield. So then I knew it was coming out quick and Johnny trying to survive back there with a plus one blitz. So, you know, if you don't get it out quick, you're getting hit. So he kind of tried to get it out there and force it into the guy I was covering and, just stepped in front of it I wish I would have made Sutton miss but (laughs) but no it was it was one of those things where you know and it goes it ties all the way back into you know these guys aren't given a fair shot by getting thrusted in there and everybody wants to play so if you're going to ask anybody that comes in they're going to say yes I want to play but that offense for us and you can talk to anybody that was out there right Don, Jamal Roll, Brooks bro Richard Leonard like any of these guys and they'd tell you yeah we knew what they're running mm-hmm. so it didn't matter who was playing quarterback back there you could add Tom Brady and we were sitting on everything because you could tell it was the same offense as simple it was easy to see and you know Johnny trying to get his first start and we're sitting on simple routes and simple offenses it's just not a good combination
0: yeah absolutely and it's I gotta say as well from a quarterback perspective plus one pressure when you aren't good at recognizing plus one it, with the with the CFL numbers that makes things tough then you know you're going to get hit he's I remember the play vividly because I was calling it by the way this this whole night when he throws interceptions two three and four Cavis Reed was in the booth next to Mike Morielli and I calling the game on radio at the time he's the GM of the Alouettes and it was really hard for us not to like peek our eyes and be like oh my like (laughs) what is going on what is he thinking like what like what's going and I remember peeking over a couple of times and he looked like he'd seen a ghost um Mm -hmm. it was it was really really bad obviously that night for everybody in Montreal because they're like what have we done what is this about like we just attached ourselves to this this thing and um but I remember like we went to break after the first couple of interceptions and Morielli and I were like taking off our headsets and saying to each other like what what's going on (laughs) <laughs> what, what What's happening? And just like trying to figure it out. But like you say, the simple stuff and it getting jumped, but there's nothing worse. I mean, there's a lot of bad situations you can be put in as a quarterback in terms of X's nose, but trying to run a four verts concept where the, <laughs> the field number three is being covered by the free safety who's rolling down over three, like you were. And you're sitting at what, 10, 12, 15 yard steps, yeah. something like that, right? Yeah, and about you're, 10 and, to 12. And you're just waiting on it and ready to jump it. And if that number three receiver is just blindly, I run to the you know inside release, I straighten up and then I cross the face of the hash marks. And as soon as he made that break from left to right across the hash marks, I remember you undercutting it from down low because you're like, ball's coming out. This dude didn't give me anything on the route. He's running it like it's drawn on the piece of paper. And now I've just got myself an intercept, but great catch though. I gotta say that too. It wasn't just the read. It was like the fingertips down and away. And I mean, yeah, you make something miss. You might have a touchdown. So.
1: But so that's the thing, right? It goes all the way back is, you know, give that guy more time, give Johnny more time, and he will be able to talk to his receivers and say, okay, listen, we've seen plus one all camp. I've seen it now, you know, five weeks in a row, being a a scout team quarterback. I saw it all year. I saw how, you know, whoever would be in front of them, right? Like let's say he stayed with Hamilton. I saw how Mizzoli dealt with these plus one pressures. I'm seeing how Bo Levi's dealing with these plus one pressures. So now he can talk to these receivers. I have a full training camp with these guys. I have a whole year with these guys. I know what they're seeing when they see plus one. Now I can talk. And now I have, okay, down to hut. Boom, yep, plus one pressure. I see it. I know what I'm doing already, right? But when you force these guys in there with no practice, all he's doing is he's getting a play and he's saying, okay, yeah, this is a four verts, okay? Now I'm looking up and going, plus one. Shit, what am I going to go to? You know what I mean? Maybe my receivers see it, but how are they going to react down to that? All of a sudden people are coming at you and you're just uh, run away, throw that thing up. You know what I mean? And that's what that's what I'm saying. When you get thrusted in there and you don't have time to talk to people playing around you at any position in football, that's that's what's going to happen.
0: I'm just imagining him now because he was a little flustered in that situation, just being Vince Vaughn from Wedding Crashers. Hot route.
1: Hot <laughs> red seven, red seven, red seven. Go stand over there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh great stuff as always, Mike. Thanks for doing this week. Uh it was a lot of fun having this conversation. I know it's one of those things that Thai cats fans uh will remember, those that were watching on television and in attendance, and you were certainly a central part of it. And the and we're gonna talk about dad stuff in one of these podcasts at length because I, I find that to be an interesting podcast. But uh six days later, you welcomed your firstborn into the world as well, right after yeah. that ended up happening. Yeah. That's a hell of a week, man.
1: Yeah. Busy week. That's yeah. for sure. Busy week. But yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was a fun, fun year, obviously. But yeah, busy week going yeah. from hospital to Winnipeg. Yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah.
0: We'll, we'll talk <laughs> about that day because that, that's a fun story for sure. Uh, for now, he is at Daily News 8. I am at TSN underscore Marsh. And we are the Daily News Podcast. Make sure you're supporting our good friends over at Fox 40. Go to their website, fox40shop.com. Use the promo code CFP15. Get yourself 15% off on anything and everything that you need coming up this football season. We will talk to you next week right here on the Daily News.